The Beef and Dairy Network podcast is sponsored by Smooth Girl, the new cattle shaving system from Mitchell's. If it's not Mitchell's, get back in the truck. The Smooth Girl system guarantees that your livestock will be butter smooth. And our research shows that if you grease them up, you'll be able to fit up to 20% more cattle into your barn space than before. For 10% off your next pallet of Smooth Girl, simply use the code GREASEMEGREASEME. And welcome to the Beef and Dairy Network podcast, the number one podcast for those involved, or just interested, in the production of beef animals and dairy herds. The Beef and Dairy Network podcast is the podcast companion to the Beef and Dairy Network website and printed magazine, brought to you by the new Smooth Girl cattle shaving system from Mitchell's. Now, Frisian, the Belted Galloway, the Australian Brangus, Dwarf Lulu, the Estonian Red. Pusatala Sprinson, Ramo Grande, Valdostana Castana, Villanian Beef. Not just nicknames that I've been given by lovers over the years, but breeds of cattle that we all know and love. And of course, through a process of selected breeding, new breeds are being created all the time. In fact, this year alone, we've seen the inception of the bearded, short-legged, long-tailed Worcestershire, the fat-uddered Mary, and the Milkbuster 5000. This sort of selective breeding is, of course, second nature to the beef industry. But this month, I spoke to Barry Meisen of the Exotic Seeds Breeding Paddock, who has set up a Kickstarter to raise money for a project that takes things one step further. Hello, my name's Barry Meisen. I asked Barry to explain his plan. Cross-breeding animals that wouldn't normally do it with each other to create... Uh, a new cow which is a much better sort of ultra cow so Barry intends not to worry so much about breeding within species but to start breeding across species I asked him how he thinks it's going to work it's not going to be just one step and you've created an ultra cow I'm not an idiot you're not suddenly going to get that cow to mate with a fish and get some sort of whale cow that's not going to happen overnight you need to get stages so you would have to probably get that cow with some sort of, like a beaver or something like that, that does go into the water. You do that one, stage one. Next one, you go, all right, I'll get the cow, beaver, child. Then you go for something a bit more fishy. I'd think in an eel, but I think that might be too much, a bigger jump. Say to go, Say it works out, you've got the eel. So you've got the cow, beaver, eel. Then you can start going, right, let's go oceanic on this. Let's get that eel. Let's get some big thing in there. Octopus. Get hold of that. Do it. Then you're ready for the whale. That's all if it, if it all work, if each stage works out. There's going to be problems. It might not happen in the next 10 years. We might be looking at about 20 years or something like that. But the thing you're looking for when you're sort of in your head designing this new thing, is that yes. principally it's going yes. to live underwater. Is that the idea? Well, you've got all those fields. There's wasted land, isn't it? There's twice as much or three times, I don't know how much more ocean there is, and it goes deeper. So you're looking at fields just flat. I'm only putting cows on one surface in the field. Uh, uh, an ocean, you've got uh, loads of different levels for the 
Sea cows. I think there's something already called sea cows, which is not the same. I'd have to do it. I'd have to try and copyright that. Right. And then you'd get the, you have the cows in there, out of the way from everyone. And then when they died, everyone knows they float to the top. You go around in the boat, picking up the dead cows. Um, right. So that's your vision for the future of the beef industry. That is one vision. That's the sea vision. Oh, I see. So it's not just one ultra cow. You're thinking of a whole suite of sort of augmented cattle. Yes. I mean, there could be an oil stick, for example, then it suddenly kills all the cows for that year. Right. So you're going to need other other species of it. I know I don't know what the taste is going to be like because a lot of it's going to come down to taste. Well, yeah. I mean, that's going to be a big issue, right? Um you know, will will it have that classic beef taste that we all love? Or once you start breeding, you know, with 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 beavers and eels, is it going to start tasting a bit beavery? Is it going to start tasting a bit eely? Well, I've tried all those animals and they they are the most beef tasting animals of that level. I see. So I've gone through and I've tried, look, all right, uh, there's otter, like a ferret, like a wet ferret. I tried them all and I thought, oh, the beaver, that's the one for me. There's not much difference. If you, if you close your eyes, it's very difficult to tell the difference. And you, you should be able to take the edge of it just by feeding them beef stock cubes and that'll just, um, if anything, they'll taste more like a cow if that's possible. I'm sure people will be listening thinking this is very enterprising. This is very forward thinking. Um, this is potentially revolutionary. Mm-hmm. Why do you think no one's had this idea before? I don't think people have thought of it really. Might it might it be just just a suggestion that it's kind of biologically impossible to crossbreed species that are so different? Well, explain the science to me. Explain explain the science to me. Well, you know, it is possible to crossbreed some species that are very similar. So a, a donkey and a horse can have a child, um, and that that's a, a mule, I think. Right. Not heard of it. But they are the, the mule is then sterile. It, it can't reproduce itself because it's a thing to do with chromosomes. I'm 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 not a scientist, so I don't know. It's just yeah. You don't you don't you're not making much sense to me. To be fair, if you look at the broader picture, if you look at it like, like dinosaurs. Yeah, and then suddenly that—that's all there were were dinosaurs and jellyfish and things like that. And then suddenly, cut to twenty twenty, you've got dogs, cats, tigers, leopards. Uh, where do they all come from? That's my question to you. Where do they come from? Yeah. So again, as, I'm, as I said, I'm not a scientist, but you know, Charles Darwin wrote that book, The Origin of Species, which is kind of all about. Exactly this is how do we get to the stage where there are all these different kinds of animals? Well, that's a problem. That's um, a problem itself, isn't it? That's a problem. How old is that book now? What thirty years? I mean, yeah, well, quite significantly more than that. It's one hundred and fifty years well, old. There we go. Like We're relying on some one hundred and fifty-year-old texts before people even had calculators for providing us with the science for now. And that's that's all right. Oh, we'll just listen to this. We'll listen to this Charles Darwin bloke because oh he's on a ten pound note. Is that is that the way you want to think? Is that the way you want your uh, future to be decided? As as far as I know, mainstream science still regards Charles Darwin's work as 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 being relevant. 
But as I say, you know, I'm not. I don't. I don't profess to actually understand this stuff. Really, it's difficult to understand. It's difficult to understand for people the first time. They, the first time you hear this, it's all alien thoughts. It's all big thoughts, all jungling around in people's heads, and a lot of people haven't got the capacity to cope with it. And luckily, that's what I'm here for. Well, let's talk about that because you've set up your Kickstarter, mm-hmm. and so obviously you're not able to do this using your own money by the sounds of things because you're. You're asking for quite a lot of money here. Currently, the fundraising goal is forty-five million pounds. Yes, yes. What is this money going to be used for? What, what do you need to to do this? Well, and I need the animals, don't I? And I'm going to need quite a lot to try and and expand this quite quickly. And now is the time to do it because I've got a contact at a safari park, and they're going out of business. And they're looking for a way to make money fast. And I've got a deal, a rental deal. He's going to do me on the animals during the winter when no one's going to safari parks. These animals are bored and they're not making any money. I'm offering an opportunity for these animals to be rented out for sex from the safari park bloke. It gives the animal something to do. It's a bit of fun. And also, he suggested that maybe that could be filmed as another source of income to keep that safari park in business. Uh, when you say this is going to be filmed, do you mean you're going to make a, a a sort of documentary about the process? Or do you mean you're literally just releasing raw footage of the animal's copulating I'm, well this is um sort of, this isn't really much this is a part of the deal he said oh i can get you the animals do you mind if i film it so i know some people will be interested in this sort of stuff and that will cover a lot of the money from my side of it and i could put some of the money back into that so i said yeah all right you can film it you know just a broadcast so you, haven't, you haven't you haven't asked too many questions no i mean it's just he's going to deal with that he comes into contact with a lot of people who are very, very, very big fans of certain animals who've asked if they can see stuff. And this is a way of helping their dreams come true and progressing science. What I don't understand is why do you need the £45 million? Because he sounds like he's, you know, he's got his own little racket going, he's making money. That is how much, it, that's how much you need for a multi a multi-global business these days for what in a lot of it's insurance as well I suppose and I would need some space at the moment I have got some space limitations so I would need access to cages and um, some weaponry should should the animals get out of hand so it's described as the exotic seeds breeding paddock you don't currently have a premises I've got a sort of a space a, a space for, for what, what's the na- what, what's the nature of that space? Well, it's a sort of um, for, uh, a micro field. I think you'd call it sort of sort of a, a, um, eight foot by eleven foot grass space with um, there's, a, there's a slight patio on one side. And if you moved, if you moved the slide back, you'd have that would be all clear space for the activity. So it's your garden. Well, not well. I'm not using it as that. It's a it's a micro field, right? And your your plan is then to introduce the animals from the safari park into your micro field, mm-hmm. 
with a cow? Have you got the cow? Yes, yet? I have got the cow. Right. Great. So that that forty five million pounds, I'm not even asking for that any money for the cow at all. That's come out of my own money. That's me putting my money into it. Okay. So so let's move on from the financial side of things and 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 talk about ethics. I think certainly some people will think this is ethically dubious, and certainly you know it raises some ethical questions, doesn't it? Well, what? Let's go through them then. Let's go through the. Let's. Uh, my see these people ethically dubious. They just work. These are words that you just put on new ideas to try and crush new ideas. All oh, right, that's ethically dubious. Everything's ethically dubious until it becomes mainstream. Let's talk about interbreeding with with different um, species. You tell me that one day, not just in one day in your life, you've looked at an animal and just thought, if I wasn't held back by what the the ideas that have been penetrated my head about what is love and what how does that manifest itself, if I didn't have that, would I have acted upon this animal, so to speak? Honestly, I've never, I've never had that thought. Never. Will you try and tell me that not one, not one day of your life, you have just thought, hmm, just maybe, if no one ever knew, if it was just me and this animal, then what? Then what would happen? Well, again, no, I honestly haven't had that thought. But also, I really don't understand what what that has got to do with you know there's no there's no humans involved as far as i'm aware in your in your plan to breed i mean are there are there humans involved i I feel i feel like this is getting away from the point of it and this is turning in this is what this is my frustration with this idea i'm trying to help people out and they just turn it around and say all right you're in what made you think of this? And it's turned into this weird... I don't like the way we're going with this particular route. And I think it's going to put people off putting money into the Kickstarter. Yeah, but you literally brought this up. I didn't mention human beings in this context at all. And then you started talking about whether I'd ever fantasised about romancing an animal, to put it in a, in a more palatable way. That wasn't me. That was you. Right, well, here is the point. If you just let me... Sorry, I don't mean to raise my voice. This is the point. If it's acceptable for for me, if I'm thinking, all right, I'm okay with it, then... Yeah, but it's not acceptable. What, no, uh, yeah, not acceptable for, for you. So I say accept, it's acceptable for 50% of people if you take me and you as the, as the poll. No. 50% of people think this is acceptable. No. So, therefore, if an animal is doing it, if I take two animals to breed with the cow, one of those animals wants to do it. No. 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 That's a no from me. It's about time that question was raised. And I'm the flagpole. That's I'm going to raise the question, and I'm the flagpole, the human flagpole, that's going to raise it. Okay, Barry. Well, put parking that... What if those people are saying it's, he's just a, a pervert, he's after our money, it's a scam. Science tells us that what he's planning to do can't be done. He's going to disappear off with his money and his animals and do God knows what. 
just put some minds at rest here because there'll be some people wondering whether to put their hands in their pocket as we as we speak. Well, the person you're talking about sounds like some religious nutcase stuck in a 1990s, maybe 1980s. I don't want that, that sort of person's money. And they're the sort of people who, you know, poo-pooed the Industrial Revolution. What I'm doing is a new revolution. It's going to be big. And so what? You don't want to invest in the future when people are getting these whale cow meat and you're not going to be able to have any because you don't put any money in and you look at your children and they're there in their rags because you can't afford to feed them because you were so back backdated in your ideas that you've starved your own children to death or worse. Thank you, Barry. Thanks very much. Thanks for having me on the show. Thank you to Barry for that interview. And to be honest, for the first time in my interviewing career, I felt like I hadn't done a great job on that one. I was no clearer by the end of the interview whether what Barry was planning to do was realistic or the sick pipe dream of a pervert. When you're interviewing someone so clearly mentally sharp as Barry, you really have to have every base covered, but my lack of scientific knowledge had let me down. My entire life, I've concerned myself not with science, but with art. The art of beef. From my half-remembered school science lessons, I had an inkling that Charles Darwin was somehow key to this, but my lack of knowledge had left me floundering during the interview with Barry. There was only one thing for it. It was time to read Charles Darwin's On the Origin of Species. On the Origin of Species by Charles Darwin Pigeons with short beaks have small feet, and those with long beaks, large feet. Compare the English carrier and the short-faced tumbler, and see the wonderful difference in their beaks. The turbot has a short and conical beak. The beak of a shoveler duck, spatula clypeata, is a more beautiful and complex structure than the mouth of a whale. Beak, 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 beak. God in heaven, grant me a beak! In the Egyptian goose, Canalopex, the beak closely resembles that of the common duck. Hmm. So it's just all about beaks. It's all about beaks, yeah? Yeah. Yeah, it's just all beaks. Having read some of Darwin's work, I was still no clearer. It was time to speak to someone with a scientific mind, and luckily, they're also a friend of the show. Hello, I'm Bob Truscothic, former bovine arse vet. I asked Bob whether it was possible for animals of different species to breed successfully. These sorts of atrocities are far more prevalent than you might imagine. It turns out that vets across the world regularly have to exterminate new species created by people like Barry. This has been something that's been going on for a, a, a very long time, indeed. And the, um, the, the veterinary industry uh, has a responsibility to, to deal with the products of these experiments. 
When a new hybrid animal is detected, uh, a vet is selected and alerted very quickly. Uh, that vet is expected to drop absolutely everything immediately and get to the target location as fast as possible. And as soon as you are at the target location, you find the creature and you kill it, right? You kill it hard. So, so when you were working as a vet, how often were you having to exterminate these, these new animals? For me personally, it would be mm, probably once every two or three months. I think with other other vets, slightly less frequently, maybe once or twice a year. I, I was generally quite trusted with these kinds of jobs, uh, which were generally thought of as a bit more back alley. Um, but yes, you, you you might just be dealing with your your surgery, and um, and you typically get a, a call on um, you know the, the burner phone that all vets are advised to get. And you will be called to go to Shetland to uh, deal with uh, a cross of an alpaca with a goose, for example. Um, you might be in Carmarthen, uh, where someone has managed to successfully breed a barn owl with an ocelot. Um, uh, I've, I've done international jobs as well. I was once uh, just on the outskirts of Vancouver uh, to deal with a crossbreed of a, a sea otter with a beaver, um, which I think on hindsight, we actually did a post-mortem on that one. It, it, turned out it, it was just a just a minging beaver. So in your experience, who are these people creating these these new species? Well, it varies enormously. Um, it, it, most of it happens at the cottage industry level. These are sort of ambitious amateur scientists, farmers. Um, um, sometimes it's out of curiosity. Usually it's to try and rear some unusual meat uh, for sort of bespoke restaurants and so on. Sometimes it's to enhance uh, your, your agricultural output. Um, I was in uh, East Riding of Yorkshire, uh, where a, a farming family had managed to successfully breed their, their cattle with vultures because they had uh, some, some wooded pasture land and uh, they wanted to have a, a herd that was tree dwelling. So effectively, they had a sort of bunk bedded, sort of stacked double herd, some grazing on the, the floor of the woodland and others um, nesting in the trees above. But of course, they also they fed on carrion as well. The uh, the tree dwelling uh, vulture crossbreeds and uh, and the, the meat they produced when they died was absolutely rank. So these vulture cow hybrids, what what were they like? They were very aggressive. Um, they they would effectively piss milk on anything that that walked below them. They were also fiercely territorial of of their nests. Part of the reason it came to our attention was because the the guy who dubbed them in, his son was a young poacher. Uh, and this young lad had been crawling up into the nests to look for cow's eggs, understandably, thinking these might be very valuable. And he was pissed to death with, with hot, bitter milk. Gosh. Hmm. So tell me about your experience with dealing with these animals. You, you get to the place and, and there it is, a, a brand new species never seen before. Yeah. Isn't that really quite a special thing? Well, it's an aberration. You know, if, if David Attenborough w was there, I don't think he'd be happy with you having to exterminate it. I mean, the, the, man, the man's a soft touch, do you know what I mean? You know, I mean, he's national treasure, blah, 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 you know. I mean, don't get me started on bloody David Attenborough, frankly, because, uh, you know, the man the man doesn't have the spine to kill when he, when he knows he should kill. I've said that to him. So you're saying that if David Attenborough saw a new species that had been created by crossbreeding... He wouldn't, he wouldn't intervene. The old wouldn't intervene. It's the easiest out of the, you know... Of, of the wet rag. Don't intervene. Don't Yes, intervene. Of course you should intervene. We're in charge for crying out loud. Intervene. Kill it. 
So to look at it from David Attenborough's point of view, mm. presented with a never-seen-before species, isn't there some sort of... There's beauty there, isn't there? There's horror. The important thing is to kill kill them early. That's, I mean, that would be my advice. If anyone is getting into this game, you know, k- kill them early. You don't have any feelings of... You don't get any sentimental feelings towards them when you look at them. You don't, you don't have any feelings that you need me my, my job for, for decades i've i mean i i have i have killed literally thousands of, of kittens for for my job right kittens professionally right not as a hobby not out of doesn't give me pleasure you know so no i'm i'm unmoved I mean, one of, the, one of the last ones I did, for example, and this was tricky because you should kill them early, but this one this one had been left for weeks and it had grown to quite a size. Someone had managed to successfully breed a, 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 a puff adder with a moth, and that was f***ing terrifying. Okay? It, it managed to trap it in a disused barn, and it was you could hear it pinging off the, the ceiling and the, the walls. Jesus Christ, that thing could move. It's absolutely unbelievable. Slipping up the walls and then flying off and skittering this way and that. Absolute nightmare. I had to borrow a mate's beekeeper's outfit and um, just went in there with a very, very large fishing net and a, and a machete and just spun around in circles for as long as it took. Yeah, but with that... Okay, I, I can see how... If, if I came across a puffadder and moth hybrid, Mm. It seems like the kind of thing that ought to die. I understand that. I feel that myself. Mm. What if someone crossbred a puffin and a red panda and created this kind of super cute, big-eyed, lovely little, colourful, beautiful creature? Yes, that would lure you in for a cuddle and then snap your neck like a twig, right? And then assume your identity, drive home, kill your family, take your job, run for president, and it's all over. So it's fair to say you're fairly mistrustful of these animals. I don't, I don't trust any animals. I mean, they, they, as far as I'm concerned, the fewer animals there are, the better. And those that, that, that there are should be very carefully housed in uh, electrified cages until they're eaten. Oh, right. So you, you really have no truck at all with the kind of environmental or conservationist drive, the, the Attenborough stuff, you know? No, they drive me up the f***ing wall. I've said it. And they won't like it, but what can they do to me? What can they possibly do to me? Hmm? I am bankrupt. I am disgraced. I am living in my car. I am untouchable. I asked Bob how long this sort of thing has been going on for. Oh, there's the evidence of this goes back millennia. People get confused about hieroglyphs pictures of, of humans walking around with eagles' heads, or well, there's a very literal answer to what's going on there. In terms of actual proper scientific documentation, really outside of myth and legend and things appearing in art, uh, the only formal thing we, we have, well, the earliest formal thing we have is, of course, Darwin's origin of species. Right. Well, this is something I've been thinking a lot about. Um, I mean, isn't Darwin quite key to this? That I don't profess to understand exactly what he what he wrote, but... Well, that's because you haven't read it. Well, I tried... I, no, no, no one's read Hardly anyone's well, read I, it. I tried to read it, and it was, it was all about... It was all about beaks. It was just beaks. All the, it was, oh, they've got this kind of beak, and there's this kind of beak. Yes, and- the, the, the first few pages are, are deliberately impenetrable to put off the, um, the lily-livered reader. 
that was his intention. So what was it that Darwin was was trying to say? He was very into the idea of human superiority. He was certain that a, 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 a human in a fair fight uh, with standard UK boxing rules could beat up any animal on the planet. Um, he thought if they were fighting fair. And he travelled the world before he went to the Galapagos um, punching up all kinds of animals, um, left, right, and centre. And uh, he wanted to prove his theory. Uh, so he travelled to the Galapagos where he was, you know, away from the prying eye of, of the media of the time, uh, the, uh, away from the uh, the lens of the Royal Society. Uh, and he set up a series of uh, interspecies fights, which he documented and occasionally took part in. And, and what, what was he what was he trying to achieve there by, by doing that? Well, the first part of the book is very much about his, him establishing human human dominance. And the second stage was then he began cross crossbreeding the champions. Um, so, for example, he would. Uh, it was a, 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 a spider monkey who absolutely beat the living shit out of him on one occasion, and rather than just putting him down, he, he, he sort of he placated him with grog, and then found a, a very large female turtle to to breed with the spider monkey, because he thought this spider monkey is a double tough bastard. Let's put a shell on him, see what happens. And he thought it was safe to do so because they were cut off on the Galapagos and this was never going to get out. And and, and lo and behold, the shell-encased uh, spider monkey absolutely trounced anything it came across. And Darwin documented that, drew some very beautiful illustrations of it, uh, and then shot it. It's interesting to me that you say that Darwin tried to fight all these different species uh, in, mm. in order to affirm human dominance. Mm. There are lots of species that I don't think a human would win in a in a fair one on one. You know, if you a chimp, well, that's that, that comes down to the definition of fair, and he wrote, he wrote about this very very carefully. Um, for example, he I mean he, he had a he had a few valets and uh, servants with him, none of whom survived, um, but they would be in charge of manning the ring and refereeing and uh, and the bell. And he would find that certainly the apex predators generally did not respect the bell at the end of a round. So they were just getting disqualified, but they were sort of losing. They on- would often lose on points, right? But but even then, even in that situation, if you put Charles Darwin and a chimpanzee in a ring, within seconds that chimpanzee's torn that guy's cock and balls off and is um, mm. smacking him across the face with them. Un- un- unquestionably, unquestionably. But you you have to remember with 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 a great mind like Darwin's, you know, sometimes the common sense. Gene isn't necessarily there. I'm certainly not saying that everything that he wrote down was right, but what he did absolutely hit upon is that these crossbreeds were dangerous. And that's the first time we have this solid gold record of these crossbreeds being created and being seriously hard bastards. So what about humans? What what does Darwin say about where homo sapiens have come from? Does he deal with that? Yeah, it's very simple. Essentially, there were just a whole bunch of different types of monkey, right? And there was a big old heave-ho fight, and and we won. We were the best monkey. Right. We were the boldest monkey. We were also the best monkey. Okay? Now, certainly, yes, chimpanzees are very strong, and so on. You know, they've they've been working on it, right? You know, it's like they've caught uh, up, is what you, yeah. yeah. It's like, but well, it's yeah, it's like being you know, you get you get sent away to do some jail time, people people buff up, you know, they've got they've got their eyes on the prize to this day, but yes, we 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 beat the other monkeys and we were we were given the gift of speech as a prize. Oh, really? Right, that's how it I see. 
what 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 language was it yes. that we were g- given? Belgian French, uh, right? Walloon, yeah. To some, right? Okay. So, are we a crossbreed? Is that you know, are we the 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 are we the product of sort of maybe twenty rounds of crossbreeding? Did we start off as a, a jellyfish and a and a flamingo? That's hard to know because obviously no, no one was around and no one had the Belgian French to be able to communicate what had happened beforehand. Um, my feeling is that we we came fully formed as as we were. Uh, the full the full monkey set was there from from the get go, and uh, we didn't get on, and uh, that's what led to that bit of bit of conflict. So hang on, at the creation of the Earth, mm. and and let's, you know, so that's a big topic we probably haven't got time to get into. Mm. But day one, mm. planet Earth, mm. humans are there. All the other species of monkey are there. Yeah, but they haven't. They probably got a bit of time before they sort of thawed out. I'd have thought. I wouldn't have thought much was happening in the first few days. Everything would have had to thaw out first. Oh, so everything's frozen. Well, yeah. Right. It's not so because the sun's only just started up, hasn't it? The sun, the sun doesn't hasn't just always been there. The sun, at some point, at some point, the, the sun has had to ignite, hasn't it? And it has to start up. So then that would have, yeah, that would have uh, taken a few good few days, I think, to thaw thaw everything out. Right. So I wouldn't say everyone. You mean human beings? Yeah, and the other monkeys, monkeys and you know trees. Right. Any other animals? Well, obviously the fish. A fish. The fish generally. Probably would have been more than one. There would have been at least two, wouldn't there? Otherwise, they wouldn't have been able to breed in the first place. Right, so so two fish. And and how many monkeys are we talking about? Just bare numbers. Oh, you're talking probably minimum 16, I would say. Two two for two. Right, 16 monkeys, including two humans. Yeah. Two fish. Yeah. Anything else? Birds-wise... I think the generally accepted theory now is that they came from dinosaurs, so they probably weren't around in immediately. So probably just a small, uh, like a sort of mini Tyrannosaurus Rex. Oh, I see. So the 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 dinosaurs are happening concurrently with the monkeys. They're not necessarily thawing out at the same time, are they? Because if you think about it, only one side of the Earth is facing the sun, so that that whoever's there is going to get thawed out first, and then guys at the back it's going to take a bit of a while that's why you get the sea i suppose on one side and dry dry land on the other but what i'm trying to get at i think is you know currently in the world we have a set of animals Mm. okay you got you got your horses you got your gorillas you got your yeah a lot of that has happened from natural crossbreeding yeah yeah of course right yeah there were small smaller number of animals at the very beginning and those of those of crossbred, and then various combinations of crossbred, and you know, and it and it started to get out of hand until the point where you got this pretty wild level of variety. But luckily, at around that time, humans established dominance, and and since the that that time, there have been humans who've been keeping things in check. So we sort of have decided what what the allowed ones are. Yes which is the set we have now, which is what? We must have about 250 types of animal. Yeah, I'd, I'd say, yeah, at least, you know, yeah. They say there's lots of species of insect, don't they? But that's true. You've got ant, uh, beetle. Well, there's loads of insects. Yeah, you've got ant, uh, beetle. Bee. Um, 
wasp uh, earwig. Yeah, there's loads. See, I mean, that's you know, that's we're nearly in double figures there already. Yeah, you know, so that's um, which is enough, I think we can all agree. And then fish is like tuna, salmon, um, sea bass, yep. uh, skate, crab sticks, and samphire, and uh, yeah, hake. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, um, but it is a lot. Yeah, yeah. So what 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 would you say to someone who 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 would say? Why don't we just let it slide a bit? You know, for the next, let's say, 10 years, just say, go for your life. Let's get them breeding. Let's get the crossbreeds going. And just let them happen and see where we end up and enjoy the diversity. And then, you know, maybe we'd have more than the current 250 creatures. We'd have 300, 400 creatures. Yeah, fine. And and then you're going to have a venomous orangutan running your town council. Okay, so good luck to you. But for me, no thanks very much. No, I'll be... There's the smallest whiff of that. I'll be holding myself up on a Hebridean island. And my shotgun will be loaded. Okay? Stay away. More after this. Okay, no advert for ZipRecruiter this month because um, I assume... The collapse of the world economy. But we do have a Jumbotron message. Uh, I've never done one of these before. These happen on various Maximum Fun podcasts where people can leave messages for the people they love. This is a nice one. This is a message for Louis. And it is from Elizabeth. So Elizabeth writes, I know things have been challenging recently and I'm so proud of you and everything you've been able to achieve. So here's to nibbling on shredded cheese dancing to the Beach Boys in the kitchen and going on hill walks together in the many years to come. All my love, always, Elizabeth. That is nice. That is nice. So if you are the Louis who likes nibbling on shredded cheese, dancing to the Beach Boys and going on walks, then that's from Elizabeth. If you are called Louis and you have a friend called Elizabeth, but what you like to do is to each cheese by gnawing from a solid block of it. And rather than dancing to the Beach Boys in the kitchen, you prefer to lip-sync along to Ariana Grande in the bathroom. And if instead of going on hill walks, you prefer to sit completely stationary in your house, then it's probably not for you. Anyway, there you go. That's your message, Louis. Thank you, Elizabeth. Very nice. Very nice. Very nice. Louis, I know things have been challenging recently. It was tempting to do this in the slash beef voice, but it genuinely really hurts my throat. So, a nice month off. Here's to nibbling on shredded cheese. Dancing to the beach boys in the kitchen. Anyway, thanks for listening. The rest of the show continues after this podcast promo. Hi, I'm Allie Gertz. And I'm Julia Prescott, and we host Round Round Springfield. Springfield. Round Springfield is a Simpsons-adjacent podcast where we talk to your favorite Simpsons writers, voice actors, and everyone who's worked on the show to talk about shows that aren't The Simpsons. So we're going to be talking to people like David X. Cohen, Yardley Smith, Tim Long about other projects they've worked on, sometimes projects that didn't go well. Mm. 
some failures, yeah. some rejections, some failed pilots, <laughs> some failed life events. Yeah, we just <laughs> talked to all the failures of The Simpsons. Yeah. So if you really love your Simpsons trivia and want to get to know the people who have worked on The Simpsons a little bit better, come by Round Springfield. Every other week on MaximumFun.org or wherever you get your podcasts. Despite Bob being a man of science, my interview with him hadn't cleared up anything in my mind. I was as confused as ever. I tried reading Darwin again, but it really was no help. On the Origin of Species by Charles Darwin Imagine a beautiful woman, absolutely naked, and instead of a mouth... She's got a beautiful beak. I dreamt again of beaks last night. I can tell you're a naughty duck from the shape of your beak. Curse these mammalian lips. I wish I had a beak. If the monkeys had beaks, there would be no need for them to fight. Confused and unsure, I thought that maybe a religious perspective might be helpful. Hello, I'm Reverend Hilary Block, and I am the head honcho at uh, St. Catherine's. I asked Reverend Hillary, what does religion have to tell us about the ethics of species crossbreeding? Obviously, you can look at science, and science seems to be quite anti-crossbreeding. But then you look at the Bible, and uh, once again, they've got a sort of slightly different take on things. And and, and the Bible is, in fact, very clear that crossbreeding is uh, the very heart of, of creation. What better example of interspecies breeding than for an angel to impregnate a human being, the Virgin Mary. It's all there. It's all all in the book. Okay, well, the main reason I wanted to talk to you was because you're a man of God, you understand the Bible, Mm -hmm. and I've been getting quite confused actually talking to various people about how we've got to the stage that we currently are where there's, what, 250, 300 different types of animals on, on the earth. Where did this all come from? And what does the Bible have to tell us about the origins of, of all these different kinds of animals? Well, it's, I mean, it's all there in the, in the Bible already. It's not necessarily written word for word, but allegorically the church has told us, the Bible has told us, that um, the first living things were the, were the, were the, were the four meats, the, the building blocks of, uh, of life. Oh, that is, it says that in the Bible? You know, you've got to slightly read between the lines and get the right translations. Obviously, it's been translated and mistranslated for, for, for years. Um, but if you if you look at some of the uh, the original text, then yeah, the allegory is pretty crystal clear. The uh, the the Garden of Eden story, it's the four meats. You've got Adam, who's the beef. You've got Eve, uh, who's the chicken, and then the snake is obviously uh, the 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 lamb. Well, that's three. So where was the where's the pork meat? not in the story because um he was there jotting it all down you've got to have someone to be scribe don't you oh i see so so when we when we read the story that's from the perspective of a a pig who's writing it all down yeah i mean adam didn't write didn't write it himself did he i mean if, if adam wrote it himself he'd be writing in the third person which is a little bit pretentious and i think one of the things adam was always very good at checking himself was that you know i'm the first man Let's not get ideas above my my station. Well, you say first man, but you're you're sort of claiming that actually he was a, a, a some sort of cow. Yeah, see, the, the, he was he was a, he was a, he was the first he was the cow he was the first cow. But I mean, in the story, it it is said that God takes a rib from Adam. So in in your version yeah. of the story, they're taking a beef rib. 
making a beef rib and creates right. and creates Eve, who in your version of the story is a chicken. That's right. Yeah, yeah. I'm not saying God got it right first time. You know, that chicken was absolutely enormous. But it had to be because Adam was, you know, Adam was a cow and a full-size cow. Plucked out a rib, did our Lord, built around it and uh, you know, built built a chicken, but obviously that chicken we're guessing would probably have been and again, this is this is pure pure conjecture because only the pig was there to write it all down and he wasn't sort of he didn't have a ruler out going here we go but um, we're talking about at the very least a meter high maybe two but the basic message of the garden of eden story is that we started with those four animals those four meats and every animal you see on earth today is a crossbreed of some kind descended from those four now you you, you may have heard about the the kickstarter that's that's going around um the exotic seeds breeding paddock uh, yes. and, and the work there to try and create the ultimate cow. He's trying to raise £45 million. Mm-hmm, yes. um, what would you say to the people who are on the fence about whether they should put their hard-earned money into this project? Well, it's the same thing I say when I pass the collection plate around. Give, give till it hurts, because what are you going to do with your money? Cut some corners in your own life so that the world can be a better place. And, I, you know, I actually... I, first saw some adverts for the Kickstarter in the comments on my blog and I was immediately excited. In fact, all of the money from the collection plate for the rest of this year, and this is a promise, will be going to that Kickstarter. Do your congregation realise that? Because they might be giving in, in, you know, thinking it's going towards the church and the work of the church. No one's complained about it. If someone were to come to me and say, look, where's this money going? I would happily give them a a breakdown and say, well, 100% of it is currently going to this Kickstarter. We, I, want to, I want to see this underwater cow. And my dream, and it's a dream that I believe will be a reality one day, my dream is that my congregation will walk in, maybe it's six months' time, maybe it's five years' time, but they will walk in on a Sunday for 9.15 Mass, and instead of the altar, there will be a, a huge tank, and swimming around in it is a killer whale-sized cow. And I'd point at that and go, there, that's where your hard-earned money's gone to. That thing, actually, when I think about it, I'm riding on its back. I think, I'm actually, I'm really buff. I'm like, my, my body's like, you know, like the front of, um, of like a, a men's health magazine. Like that. Sorry, so in, in this vision you've got, you're really buff? Yeah, in, in, in the vision I've got, you know, like I say, it could be six months, it could be five years. Let's say it's five years. Let's give me five years because I've, I'm shirtless. I'm wearing a sort of small kind of loincloth. But I've got these rippling, these biceps that are just huge, you know, with the veins all standing up on them, and riding on the back of this majestic beast, and water spraying up and sort of cascading down my my eight pack. In fact, saying it now, I'm not sure 100% of the collection plate is going to go to the Kickstarter. Let's say 45% of it goes to me to work on my physique. You know, so we're talking a home gym system, uh, probably a Peloton. I'm not against steroids. I'm not against them. I think maybe maybe I could I could roll it up. You know, I think obviously it's 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 all it's all God's work, but even God needs a little assist once in a while. And God created steroids. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's the I've, I this is a, oh, it's a, it's a wonderful argument that I've used on a number of occasions. God created steroids. God created meth 
there's nothing really you can't do to yourself that isn't, you know, depending on how you do it, an act of worship. I do, I do understand what you mean, but but I think I think from a moral point of view, using that argument, you're able basically to claim that anything that's possible on earth is sort of anointed by God. Yeah, but the thing with the with religion, and the thing with the Bible, the Bible teaches us it is not deed but intent. You see, you can do, you know, you can do what you like as long as you're doing it in the name of the Lord. So, in in much the same way, if you confine a cow whale to a tank, a large tank by the sounds of things, but a tank nonetheless, mm-hmm. and ride it back and forth at the front of your church. Yeah, and don't forget, buff. And you're, buff. And, and you're hugely buff. Yeah. You're doing that actually in in the name of God, to, to glorify God. Yeah. I'm trying to get the word out there. But, you know, if if I showed someone who didn't know that was your intention, I, and I brought them into the church, and all they could see was this big thing flailing about, flapping about, water going everywhere, uh, and then you on the back, this kind of Conan the Barbarian-style figure, yes, splashing great, back and forth. Great. Yes, that's actually, that's really helped me with the sort of mental picture. It is the sort of, it's the, it's the, fig, it's the physique, uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger had in the 80s. Yeah. You know, it's that, it's that classic, the, the huge pectoral muscles, really broad shoulders, very, very big arms, yes. You, and you're holding a big sword. Presumably I'm holding a big, maybe I'm, maybe I'm holding a sort of a giant crucifix or, or something like that, just to kind of keep it on message. Sure. So I, I just take a person from the street just to come, mm-hmm. with no prior knowledge of what's going on. Wonderful. I bring them in and they watch this thing happening. Yes. I think they'd think, ah, something's gone wrong at this church. This isn't what I expected to see when I was brought in here. I, I expected a, a sermon, some hymns, you know, maybe some messages at the beginning about the next... Um, you know, cake sale that they're doing to to raise money for charity. Instead, they're watching this kind of uh, medieval-looking character um, on on a species of animal that they don't actually even recognise that's that's been created through a series of crossbreeding that they would probably find quite disgusting. And you're telling me they're not going to go and get 25 friends and say, come in here and look at this? I'm not saying they won't do that. Well, there we go. That's how you spread the word. You've got to shock people into action. Right. Well, it's been really nice talking to you, Reverend Tillery. It's been a joy. And I, I wish you all the best. You know, I think you're going to split opinion uh, with, with this. I hope for your sake that this cow whale comes off and also that your training works out so that by the time that cow whale is created and you've got one, that you are as buff as you need to be. Well, I guess, uh, I guess I've got to start working on those reps. Um, but it's been, a, it's been wonderful chatting to you and... Um, I, I don't know if we, 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 you do plugs or anything like that, but I'd love for people to go to um, to my it's it's uh, it's uh, Reverend Hillary dot blogspot dot geocities dot dot net. I'd like people to go there because I've actually I've been working on some some music there, and I've done a version of the first Noel, but it's the first Cow Whale. Ah, so I'd love for uh, I'd, I'd love for people to the first Cow Whale. It's wonderful stuff. And who is that priest? How did he get so buff? Okay. You know, um, hopefully I'm teaching myself how to do uh, flash animation. Oh, right. So I could just, I could have a a little gif of me sort of riding around, um, you know, abs abs being splashed with water and the cow whale kind of underneath me uh, sort of moo bellowing and spuming with, with, with delight. Speaking to Hillary left me even more confused than before. 
Was crossbreeding an abomination that should be dealt with by vets, or should it be celebrated as something which affirms the glory of God? Is humanity descended from four original meats, or were we here from the beginning, waiting to be thawed out? Was Barry Meisen a pervert, or was he doing God's work? Everyone I'd spoken to so far had a slightly different understanding of the science, and I was still struggling to read on the origin of species. There was only one thing for it. I was going to have to pay an online psychic medium £15 to carry out an online seance over video call to speak to the long-dead spirit of Charles Darwin. I found Madame Sarah Voyant on Facebook Marketplace. Hello, fellow traveller of the mystic realms. Take my hand as I guide you to the other side. Hello, Sarah. Um, just to say, I've never done a seance before, so I'm, I'm not really sure to, what to expect. No problem at all. I will guide you through it. Okay. And um, you, just to check, your name's Sarah Voyant. That's right. I'm Sarah. Uh, it's, it's a shame that you're not called um, Claire. Really? Why? Because then you'd be called clairvoyant. I, I am a clairvoyant. No, I know you're a clairvoyant. I appreciate that. That's what I mean. I, if your first name was Claire rather than Sarah, then your what? name, as well as your profession, would be clairvoyant. How do you mean? Well, I, I don't understand. Because your name currently is Sarah Voyant, and it would be clairvoyant, and your job right. is also a, a clairvoyant. So you'd be clairvoyant, the clairvoyant. What a strange thing to say. It hadn't got off to the best of starts, but the good news was that according to her, Sarah was able to speak to Charles Darwin. You you said you'd like to speak to Charles Darwin? Is that yes, right? pioneering uh, naturalist and scientist Charles Darwin, please. Because if you like, I could very easily speak to someone else like Henry VIII or O.J. Simpson. Well, O.J. Simpson's alive, isn't he? So that's not a seance. He's alive, yeah. I've got his number, though, so we could have a chat if you wanted. But very happy to do Charles Darwin. I mean, yeah, we are going to do Charles Darwin. Just to ask about the O.J. Simpson thing, just to be clear, that would just be me talking to... You'd kind of get him on the phone and we'd just chat. That's That's just a chat with O.J. Right. Yeah. I mean, I have got lots of questions for O.J. Simpson. Good. Yes. And that's £15, same price? That's also £15, yeah. And from experience, is he quite candid with answers? I mean, there's one question that I feel like probably most everyone asks. Um, he's he's um, quite chatty, I usually find, yeah. He usually likes a bit of a chat, so he'd probably be glad of a chat, I'm sure. Yeah, but when people ask him the big, the big question... What do you mean? Never mind. Well, let's get, get, get on with the um, Darwin, Darwin chat. Great, yep. Charles, if you're there, we have some questions for you. Okay, he's here. Oh, um, that's quick. Yep, um, he's he's big beard, um, looking quite Victorian, um, surrounded by monkeys. I think this is this is Charles Darwin. Sounds like him. This is amazing. So you you're genuinely able to now put a question to Charles Darwin, the real Charles Darwin. Yeah, he's asking what you want to know. So, uh, Charles, thank you very much for um, uh, appearing to us in this way. I've been reading your book. I'm I'm finding it quite hard to understand. Uh, A lot of it is about beaks. Ultimately, is it possible to crossbreed, for example, a beaver and an eel and an octopus and a whale and a cow to create a sort of ultra cow that, that can live underwater? 
he just um he says it's an interesting idea he's just he wants to clarify he said this this ultra cow um he says are you going to use it um to to fight other animals is it going to be like a big tough fighting machine uh no he said, are you going to use it to win wars and colonise other countries? No. No, there's no violence involved. It's an entirely peaceful idea, as far as I'm aware. Because he was saying you could probably sort of fire it from a cannon at another country or from a submarine at a rival submarine. Um, he's just sort of miming how that would work if an ultra cow was fired at a, at a submarine. Uh, he, he he says that you could probably take over the world with an ultra cow, with the right ultra cow, if it was really, really vicious. Well, take over the beef world, certainly, in terms of sales. I think that's what, you know, that's what the idea is. But um, no, can you sort of impress on him quite quite a lot that it's, it's not really about fighting or violence? It's not in fact, really that's... about fighting. It's just about being yeah. underwater. Yes, and uh, and being large and, you know, creating a lot of beef. He's, 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 he's showing me something. He's um oh that's weird. He's just taking me to it's a plate it's a lots and lots of monkeys. He's surrounded by lots of monkeys on the astral plane. Oh right. hello monkeys. Oh, that's cute. <laughs> oh my god. He's getting two monkeys to fight each other. Oh my god. Oh um, my god, that's horrible. He says that Sarah. And oh this is horrible. Why have you made me do this? Why am Sarah, I, oh. I, I? I didn't know this is what what you were going to see, and 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 maybe you could tell Charles just from us just to stop it because that sounds awful. This is stop this it, is Charles. brutal. It's, other animals are getting involved now. This is oh correct. This is a, this shouldn't be allowed. I don't know how this is. Oh 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 my god! This is this is the most chilling thing I've ever experienced. And and bearing in mind, I speak to AJ Simpson on the phone pretty regularly. Charles, stop. Stop, stop, Charles. Charles, stop. Charles, stop. 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 Um, stop. Stop the fighting. That's oh, Charles, too much. please. Charles, for He's, God's sake. Oh my god. Come on, Charles. I I I can't I can't watch this. This is horrendous. No, no, Charles, no. That, of course, is Cow Whale by Reverend Hilary Block. The web address, if you'd like to buy that track, reverendhilary.blogspot.geocities.tiscali.net. And all proceeds will go straight to the Exotic Seeds Breeding Paddock Kickstarter. Also, if you'd like to donate directly to that Kickstarter, Barry has just updated the rewards available. If you pledge £10 or more, 
as soon as the cow whales have been created, and if they haven't been immediately destroyed by vets, you'll get a small cow whale meat sausage. For £20, you'll get the small cow whale meat sausage, plus full access to all of the videos created by Barry's colleague at the Failing Safari Park, and for a mere £50,000, you'll get your very own Make Your Own Cow Whale Kit, complete with cow, beaver, eel, octopus, a whale, a net, a tank, a selection of pheromone musks, 500 kilograms of straw, a 10 metre length of hose, a 4x4 off-road vehicle, and of course, a harpoon. So, that's all we've got time for this month, but if you're after more beef and dairy news, get over to the website now, where you'll find all the usual stuff, as well as our off-topic section, where this month we reunite the surviving members of the cast of the sitcom Friends, and see who can cover 100 metres fastest. So, until next time, as they might say in Belgian French, boeuf out. Thank you to Marek Larwood, Mike Wozniak, Matthew Crosby, Clarissa Maycock and Tom Crowley. Also, just a little reminder that with Christmas or Beefhead Day coming up, you might be thinking about gifts for the uh, Beef and Dairy Network fan in your life. If that is the case, why not go to beefanddairynetwork.com forward slash merch. That's beefanddairynetwork.com forward slash merch to check out the Beef and Dairy Network merch that is available. All right. See you next time. Hey, friends. Jesse here, the founder of Maximum Fun, and I have some really great news to share with you. This year has brought a lot of changes for all of us. And one tradition that we were grateful to be able to hold on to is our annual pin sale to benefit charity. This year, through your generosity and love of pins, you helped raise $95,400 for Give Directly. If you're a member and you bought pins, they'll ship in January. In the meantime, your support will provide direct cash relief to families impacted by COVID-19 across the United States. Even in this incredibly tough year, the Max Fund community remains extraordinarily kind. And whether or not you bought pins, you can continue to help by heading to givedirectly.org. And as always, thank you. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.